David, I'm going to invite you up. So this is my friend, David Butler. I feel kind of cheesy calling him a friend because he's a mentor and a coach and uh, about a thousand other things. But I'm going to let him explain a little bit more about himself in just a moment. Uh, let me just tell you also, I'm representing Charlestown Little League today. Jamie's got on soccer. Noah's playing a baseball game right now in South Boston. So I silently prayed a little prayer for the townies to win their baseball game against Dorchester. If you want to do that from your seat, that would be fantastic. I know that my wife has grown in trust as a mom. And the fact that she is sitting here in Charlestown while our son is playing a baseball game in South Boston today. So, uh, man, we, we've grown as parents. That only comes with having multiples. When you have that second one, that third one, you're like, ooh, we can let them go. They're going to be all right. They won't break. So, anyways, David, thanks for being here. I'm going to let you, if you will, just introduce yourself, introduce your wife, and um, tell us just a little bit about you and your life in Boston. Okay, thanks. Um, my wife, Gail, is here with me this morning. We were just talking to uh, Carson a little bit earlier. He was talking about they just recently celebrated their 15th wedding anniversary, or at least a, here in the last couple of years. Um, 15th? 10th, excuse me. All right. Man, he gave me five. It feels like 15. <laughs> right. but, feels like uh, 20 for Lana. Trust me, pal. Gail and I will be married 47 years in March. So it's been a few years, and so uh, we're awesome. kind of excited about that. <laughs> and we were just recently with family, uh, all live south, but we got them to come up north. Usually they want to go to the beach in the south, and you just go and you just cook on the beach. And we said, why don't you come up our way, and we have a good friend who made a lake house available to us in Maine. So we've gone from the two of us to 20. So we had all 20, and uh, we have three kids. We've got three married kids, and we've got ten grandkids. We have one married granddaughter who just had a baby, and so we, it is just hard for me to even say it. We are great-grandparents. <laughs> so, uh, so you're saying, yeah, you, uh, you look at her, and it makes me look good, but I'm kind of the old dude in the room. So uh, but that's kind of our family, and originally from uh, Kentucky, Gail is uh, from Murray, Kentucky. And she's a Kentucky girl like Natalie is. And, uh, but I uh, lived in a lot of different places. I was born in the Midwest in Evansville, Indiana. I'm a Hoosier. And then I lived south in Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. And then lived in the coal mines of southern Illinois. And Gail all her life was in Kentucky until she met me. And then we've lived in a few places since we got married, right in college out of Murray State University. And uh, so if you care anything about basketball, Murray State University, number two draft pick. John Moran. John Moran. Yep, that's our school. All right? That's awesome. Very proud of it. That's awesome. Tell about where, if you will, just share with us where you currently live and uh, in the city and, uh, and then even your guys' affection for Charlestown, how you, you know, like this place. Great. Uh, we currently live in Jamaica Plain, JP. Um, it, our story with Boston begins in 1985. We were pastoring a church in in Knoxville, Tennessee, and all of the crew staff, that's a special parachurch ministry that reaches students at University of Tennessee. All the staff came to our church, and a guy by the name of David Connie was a, the team leader, was a single guy. Crew said, we want you to move to Boston and help us get some work started there at Harvard. And so David came up here, and he said, hey, why don't you and Gail come up and see us, uh, see me sometime. So we came in February of 1985. It was snowing. We stayed in Boston Park Plaza right off Boston Common and we spent the weekend with David and he introduced us 
to Boston. We thought we were coming to see a friend, but God put a seed in our heart that has continued to grow every since, and I'll get a little bit into that story, but we've now lived in the Northeast for 10 years in Boston uh, for five this November. Yeah, share uh, with us just about kind of your ministry story and even your current role, how you came into that, and explain, um, you know, I'm very... Like, I don't talk a lot about denominations. You won't hear me talk about that, frankly. Like, I want to create as few reasons for people not to come and talk about Jesus as possible. Like, let's remove as many hurdles, to t- and let's just talk about Jesus. So we don't talk about denomination. Our network is called Send Boston, and, uh, and so David leads our network. So if you will uh, explain what that is and kind of your ministry story leading up to that. And while you do that, I'm going to close that door right okay, there just to it. keep the hot out. Well, all of us have the same kind of common desire in our hearts, and that is I want to make sure that my one and only life in some way is leveraged to the best possible ability so that I don't get them into my life and go, wow, I wish I could have or I should have, et cetera. We want to be at the sweet spot. We want to live out that sense of God's purpose and plan in our lives. And that's exciting. That's very exciting and encouraging to think about it. And you heard God's voice speak just, and you're hearing it again. <laughs> It's coming out loud and clear. It's good. He's doing a great job of welcoming some folks out there. So, all right. But uh, going back to it, every single one of us here, the, the, the idea that somehow or another that God has something very unique in, that he wants to accomplish through our lives and through our giftedness, through the way he's wired us, is exciting because you never know what's going to happen. So for us, uh, at the age of uh, like, 20 years old, when Gail and I got married, we knew that our lives would be lived on mission in a particular way through a local church. And so we began serving different churches. But in 1985, when we did come to Boston, God said, someday, not now, we, I want you to live in Boston on mission for me. We thought it was then. We stuck, took a whole entire year to think about leaving a church that we was where I was a pastor. We absolutely loved it. It was a 2,400-member church. We thought, hey, maybe we could move to Boston, our small family of three kids, kind of like J.D. with his two boys. But it was just, again, as if God said, hey, that's part of my plan, but I want to get you ready for that. And so over the next several years, Gail and I began to develop this uh, amazing love for Boston. And we would come to Boston. We would come up here um, and bring mission teams, just like, the church is uh, here this weekend and this week, and you've seen them all throughout the summer. We've come up and helped, and at that time, there was almost uh, nothing happening here in Boston in terms of church world. And, but there were a few. We would come up, work with various organizations, and then uh, I said, hey, I need a little bit more education, and I'm going to go and get a doctorate of ministry, and there's a place just north of Boston at Gordon-Conwell. I'm going to go up there and do my doctorate of ministry. So I came up here. It was where I could stay where I was in Louisville, Kentucky at the time, pastoring. Moved from Knoxville to Louisville, and we planted a church there. We were there for 21 years. But during that time, kept coming up here, came up here, did some education at Gordon-Conwell. And while we were here, a family, we got more acclimated to the climate, to the culture, fell even more in love with it and thought, what is God going to do through us up here? We had a couple of opportunities. We thought, this is it. Didn't happen. Stayed where we were. And then in 2008, there was a mentor of mine uh, that was actually a pastor here in, in the greater Boston area. He was at 
Grace Chapel. His name was Gordon McDonald. And Gordon had an influence on my life through his books. I also knew that he still lived in the greater Boston area, our nearby, and I reached out to him and said, our church is thinking about potentially planting a church in Boston. We've been helping churches through the years. Would you have time to meet me? And I flew up, and at that time he lived in Concord, New Hampshire. And he said, I want you to read my book before you come, my latest book on who stole my church. So I read, and I realized he had no interest in church planning, but church revitalization. And I met him at a Friendly's restaurant in Concord, New Hampshire, and it turned into a five-hour conversation. And while we were having that conversation, he said, I want to tell you about a church here in Concord. In fact, it turned out to be the story behind the book, Who Stole My Church? And so he said, I want to tell you about this church. It's where I've been helping out for the last four years since leaving Grace. And they need a pastor. How about you? And I said, well, I'm glad to be where I am, but we'll pray about it. Long story short, that began the conversation, and we ended up going to Centerpoint Church in Concord, New Hampshire, which was established in 1828. Uh, every Sunday we worshiped in an auditorium that was built in just a couple years after that the church actually was founded. Had a wonderful, incredible five or six years that we were there. In terms of what God did, we fell in love with the Northeast even deeper and the people welcomed us. We had a lot of wonderful conversations around town where they were asked, us, you're not from around here, where are you? Where are you, where are you from? And when we would say, uh, you know, where we were from, I remember we were in a Kentucky Fried Chicken one day and getting something, and the lady asked us where we were from, and, and we said, well, we're from Kentucky. And she leaned over the counter and says, oh, you have shoes on. And that was kind of our uh, welcome to Concord, New Hampshire. Now it got worse. I can't go for the rest of the part of the conversation because it got interesting uh, what she thought about people from Kentucky but long story short we absolutely fell in love with it at the same time uh, we went through a, a crazy time where Gail was diagnosed with a, a cancer that uh, only one in five survived that we found out about later begin that journey and it was just a God placed us in a place as one of our elder friends told us in Concord he knew that Gail would be going through what she was going through and got us to the place where the best hospitals were to help with that. And so we went through that. All of that to say, all that was going on. In the meantime, I had a friend, a colleague in Louisville, Kentucky. His name was Kevin Izzell. And the denomination that we're a part of, Southern Baptist, said to him, hey, we want you to be over one of our biggest mission-sending organizations called the North American Mission Board. He went to it, and when he went and became the president... He realized that things had to change. And so he began saying, we're going to focus on the places where the, the need is the greatest for the hope of the gospel. And so they identified 32 cities across North America. Only four of them are in the South. And all the rest would be in places like the Northeast. And Boston was one of them. They said, we'll raise up somebody, send out somebody to be what we would call our missionary for that city who will help us plant life-giving churches that are focused on the hope of the gospel. And so he knew about my love for Boston, and he reached out to me. I was in Concord, New Hampshire, and he said, hey, let me tell you about an opportunity. And Gail and I spent a weekend down on the Charles River at a hotel praying through, and we, it was like what God put in our hearts in 1985. He said, now... I'm going to let you live that out. That seed I put in you there that's been growing through the years. So, 
Uh, that's kind of how we got it. Our, our title is Send. I say that very carefully because you could say it real quick and it would sound like Send City Missionary. So it's uh, Send City Missionary for North American Mission Board. It's an honor to get to work with guys like J.D. and Natalie. What, um, David, what, share with the group, like, what the geographical territory is for the SEND network, how many churches there are, just really briefly, and then what kind of your vision from now to Boston's 400th birthday in 2030, what God's put in your heart for that. Great. Um, The story of Boston is about planners like J.D. and Natalie. And it's not about guys like me or even the North American Mission Board, what we call the SEND network. And it, if you were to look at our, on a map, we start all the way up to Newburyport. We go out to Worcester, and then we go down to the Cape. 5.8 million people. And if you'd looked at our church planning map within our tribe back in 2005, there have been two dots on the map. One, Hope Fellowship in Cambridge. One, south of us. At that time, really weren't a part of us. And that would have been Grace Church in Avon. Today, if you look at that map, and we'll be adding more dots this year, at least six more, there are now 76 dots on that map. And that's so exciting when you start thinking about this and the scope, but the need is still massive. Our vision, our hope is that by 2030, when Boston celebrates its 400th anniversary, there will be 300 dots on that map. So it's, uh, it's quite, quite the journey, quite the challenge, but again, it's because of uh, the heroes are the people that are, are the J.D. and Natalie's and I could, the Simon and Popeos who you'll meet next week. Th- those are the heroes. That's the story. What um, will you share? Because, okay, so Natalie and I were quite happy with our life in South Carolina. Our mortgage was, I look at what our mortgage uh, was and what, what we pay in rent now, and I laugh. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> we had it so good. And, uh, and so we were very happy, but we began to get a heart for uh, Boston, for church planters here, and for new churches. And so the church we had started in South Carolina would send money and prayer and teams up and try to help connect with young planters. Most of the guys who are planting in Boston tend to be 30 to 35. They tend to be a little younger than us. And um, and so we just, we love those guys because we've been on that journey and know the, uh, what, it, like, what it takes emotionally and spiritually and financially and all of it. So when we met David, we were looking just to come alongside what God was already doing here and helping out of that. God called us here, which for me was the fulfillment of a dream that I had since I was a teenager. Uh, with that said, like, will you just talk about your heart for Charlestown? Because you brought our family here and said, we love this neighborhood. Uh, so share about your heart for Charlestown and for this church plan, if you will. Right. When J.D. came up here, I think that whole week you saw a gazillion churches. 26 in four days. 26 in four days, <laughs> something like that. But one of the things that our heart is for is actually for the city. There's 24 neighborhoods and growing uh, they're adding, going to be adding, I think, five or six new neighborhoods according to the Mayor Wash's new uh, uh, 2030 Imagine Boston plan. But of all the neighborhoods, there is one neighborhood that stood out more than any other to me, and that was Charlestown. Because it's, number one, the oldest neighborhood in all of Boston. But just the history, as we brought people into the city to visit, they would come into Charlestown to say, this feels like Boston. This is what I thought Boston would be like. Just the people, the the culture, uh, up and down the streets, and all that you would experience here. So 
before J.D. and Natalie got here, we were praying already that God would raise somebody up strategically to come plant their lives that would fall in love with this city. We did prayer walks. I did several prayer walks up and through the neighborhoods before J.D. and Natalie ever came here. When they came here, I wasn't for sure it was going to be Rhode Island or Boston or Charlestown. And I, I, uh, I basically told them, go ahead and go to Providence. That seems like where God is, is leading you to go. With the design behind that thinking, I'll just reverse it with the hope that they'll say, he really doesn't want us to come. We are going to come to Charlestown. Um, but it was just a fun conversation. We seriously considered living here in Charlestown. We actually looked at three different places to look at it. This didn't happen to work out and where God places in JP for a lot of different reasons is exactly where we need to be. But we love coming to Charlestown. In fact, whenever we bring people in from the outside, we take them to one of three places to eat. We take them to Sell Off on Atlantic or we take them to Limicelli's in the North End or we take them to Warren's Tavern. And we just, uh, that's just kind of the way it works. We just love Charlestown, love being here and love the experience. That's good. Will you, um, I'm going to pare down a couple of these questions, but will you share from, from your vantage point what could be for, for our church and what could be for Send Boston? Like, what do you look and say, boy, if God had his way, this could happen in this neighborhood and then in, in Metro Boston? What I think about, and when we, and, and yesterday was a, a great illustration for it, and JP, every summer they have what they call Porch Fest. And there were something like 65 different bands playing on porches all throughout JP yesterday. So we were on this kind of walking tour and going into the backyards and standing in front of porches and places of business, listening to all kinds of artists. And as we're going through, I'm looking at all the people and I'm thinking about all the families and all the dynamics and all the life views and all the worldviews. And there is in my heart what Paul talks about in the book of Acts. He talks about the church when he comes to Athens. There was something stirring in him so much so that he could not stand it. And his heart was literally just wrecked. And whenever we walk through neighborhoods and we come into places like Charlestown, we're not looking to start churches. We're really not. We're looking to reach people who are far from God. And to reach the city. It's not about starting churches. It's about making Christ known. As I thought about all the people that were there, I thought, just inside of me, I just couldn't stand the thought of all those people. I wonder, have they ever had uh, an understanding of who Jesus is? Do they know the hope wrapped up in his life? And I listened to conversations, and you could feel and hear the, 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 uh, I think probably the loss of our absence of direction or purpose or frustration or anger. You could hear it all on the streets yesterday. And we love our city and we love our people, but you could hear, and when I think about a movement across the city, it's not going to be, oh, we've got 70 churches. No, it's about stories of individual people who have said, I heard for the first time, it made sense. Jesus is now in my life, and I'm pursuing him with all my heart in life. That's what we live for more than anything else. That's good, man. Um, that, that's funny. That, that makes me think. Now I'm dialoguing. I'm gonna, uh, I was meeting with a guy this week. He's a friend of mine, 
Uh, he's from Charlestown originally, and he said, man, why'd you move here to start a Protestant church? He goes, you know this is a Catholic neighborhood, right? And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, we didn't move here to start a church. We moved here so that every person would have a chance to hear the good news of Jesus and have a chance to respond. Now, we believe a church grows up out of that, but our job is not to start the organization of a church. Our, go- our job is to share what God has done in our life and to do that corporately with other people he's done it with and do it well in this neighborhood. And if a church is birthed out of that, great. But God's not going to hold us accountable for starting a big church. He's going to, I think, hold us accountable for how well did you live out your faith in the place where I planted you uh, in Charlestown. So we just let me ask you uh, two more. Any words of wisdom or things to look out for, best ways to celebrate for us as a church? Small church, been meeting less than a year every week. Any words that you would say, hey, look out for this, celebrate this well, any nuggets of wisdom? One, and I hope you all celebrate this. Um, I was just, I, I love the pics that I, I follow Christ Church Charlestown. I, I love watching the life of, of this church that God has raised up and the people that are part of it. Um, but, and again, and, and JD, I, I've told him this, I don't know, maybe four or five times. Um, I just really believe of all the places in all of greater Boston, this is the one place that somehow what could happen in Boston could start here. This is the one place. I just feel like for whatever reason, it could spread more than any more strategic place than right here in Charlestown. Just believe that. And I believe so much in the giftedness that God has given J.D. and Natalie and the people that he's surrounding with you and the stories that you're telling. But, um, and I thought about this question about wisdom. And I'm trying to think, you know, prayed through it, thought about it, thinking about who was here this morning. Just a couple thoughts, okay? Wisdom or not, you, you, you determine that. One is, I, I've been amazed at Jesus in his life. Over and over again, he would say something like this. I don't do anything on my own initiative, but only as the Father shows me. So I would just say to you, dream, plan, think, imagine all you possibly can. But at the end of the day, to say, God, are you in this? Did you put this in our heart? Or is this just what we can come up with? God, is this what you're in? Is this what you're calling us to do? Are you all over this? Because if God's all over it, it gives you an assurance uh, and gives you a tenacity and gives you a confidence that's just off the chart. But make sure it comes out from that. second thought is this, and I've already alluded to it. Um, Make sure that you don't ever, 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 and you'll have a temptation. And this is where most churches, after they get started, go. They forget why they got here, why they're here. Jesus was called a lot of things. Never very complimentary. He was referred to as an illegitimate child. He was referred to as a, 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 a wine uh, a, a drinker and, and, and glutton and drunkard. He was referred to as demonic. And then they really hurled an insult at him one day when they said, you're a friend of sinners. And Jesus says, I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, label me as a friend of the irreligious riffraff. I like that. That's who I am. Don't ever lose sight 
That's who God's called you to be. Love is the superpower of Christ's followers and of the church. And when we love people that are far from God, that don't share our worldviews or anything else, that's when we're most like Jesus. Anyways, we can pray for you, your family. Uh, it's, it's kind of fun. Um, I was reading something the other day. It's a study by MIT. I, that's at least what they said it was. And they were studying people as far as longevity of life. And they said that if you reach the age of 65, that you have a 50% chance of living 8,000 more days. So another 22 years. So I was reading that the other day, and I was like, I've reached that 50% chance. What do we want to do? What's the best possible way to use these next 8,000 8, days? And we've really been thinking about that. I have a lot of conversation. You pray for us that this last season, fourth quarter, it will be the absolute best of our life for the kingdom, for the sake of our kids, for sake of churches and life-giving churches all over greater Boston. Yeah. I'm going to pray you live to 122 years old. <laughs> not even halfway done with your race. Um, thank you for being here. Oh, it, it, it's an honor and love what's, love what's going on here. And, and uh, glad you've heard some of the great interviews and uh, dialogues. I would love to get to know some of you better, but we love what God's doing here and are personally invested in it. And just thank you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, let me, let me say, if you, I don't, some of you do Insta stories from church on Sundays, I see those, or you do posts, like, man, the one thing that, like, if you post something of this, if you want to quote anything he said, like, the thing I want to hang my hat on today, but I think it's really powerful, is when he said, this is the one place, that, and I, I, I mean, the, the reason that God uprooted our family, and, and he said we're heroes, we're nothing, like, um, we are nothing, I don't know why God called our family to come here. What the potential for the kingdom in this neighborhood is so much better than us that sometimes I just walk around this neighborhood and see its beauty and its brokenness and its potential. And I'm like, God, why did you call us here? And feel so small. But I'm like, but you did call us here. So if you want to Insta story anything today, like here's the thing. I love when he said, this is the one place. This is the one place that seems to stand out from the 300 neighborhoods in and around greater Boston. This neighborhood just seems to have something that some of the others don't have. Uh, and, and Jesus is on, and Jesus and God and the gospel are on people's minds here. And they talk about it in this neighborhood in a way that doesn't happen in other places. I was talking with a friend of mine last night. I'll pray for you in a second. Sorry. Um, and he was like, he just, we, out of nowhere, we're at Little League, out of nowhere, he brings up God and the gospel, and, uh, and he's a dear friend. He shocked me when he did it, and w what I've begun to say in that conversation is, man, I'm a guy from middle Georgia, lived 39 uh, years in the south, and God called my family to come to this neighborhood, could have called us anywhere on planet earth, and he called us here, and here you are, a guy who's lived in Boston all your life, and here we are working at Little League, and here we are talking about God, and you're talking about it like it's a coincidence. This is no coincidence. Only God could have arranged all of this. And man, I want to tell you, like, only God can arrange all of this. He has arranged for you to be part of this church and to be here today. So let me pray for David. This is the one place. Man, I love that.